We are proud to partner with MyFlex Learning. MyFlex Learning is a scheduling platform that helps middle and high schools meet the individual needs of all students. Students can easily create and manage time for flex blocks, wind time, activity periods, RTI, counselor and teacher appointments, and so much more. Even my favorite, Synergy Time. And with its built-in accountability tool and reporting features, MyFlex Learning solves your challenges around getting kids where they need to be and understanding how flex time is spent. Make flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE. This B Podcast Network show is presented by IXL. IXL's all-inclusive online teaching and learning platform simplifies edtech needs and accelerates achievement in 95 of the top 100 U.S. school districts. IXL delivers personalized learning across a comprehensive pre-K-12 curriculum, including math, language arts, science, and social studies, and helps you assess student performance through actionable, real-time insights at every level of your school or district. This one solution performs work that typically requires dozens of tools. Want to find out why so many leading districts trust IXL? Visit IXL.com BE. That's IXL.com slash B-E. Welcome to Transformative Principle, where you learn how to be a leader and not just a manager of a to-do list. I'm your host, Jethro Jones. You can find me on Twitter at Jethro Jones. Your to-do list is a hungry monster that is never satisfied. For the last year and a half, I've helped principals get awards, get promoted, and find the time to do the work that really matters. I recently opened a new mastermind slot. Schedule a call with me and let's overcome the stressed and isolated principal position together. Go to the show notes for this episode at transformativeprincipal.org and click schedule a call with Jethro. My name is Jennifer Krong from the Assist Learning Podcast. I'm a proud member of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to right now. The opinions expressed are those of the individual hosts. Make sure you check out all the other great podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com and get ready because the learning begins in three, two, one. Welcome to Transformative Principle. I am so excited today to have Allison Apsey on the podcast. This is a special episode. You can get the show notes for this and a link to Allison's book at transformativeprinciple.org slash episode 1050. So go ahead and check that out. And because this is a special episode, that's why the number's weird. Allison, I don't really have a thousand podcasts out there. So I was really impressed for a minute. (laughs) Yeah, I just do that so that I keep track of special midweek releases, which is what this one's going to be. So Allison, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for being on. It's an honor to be talking with you today. This is so exciting. I'm thrilled. Thank you. And I feel very special being on a special edition of the Transformative Principal Podcast. Well, I think you are special, so it's fitting that you're on here. So thank you. So we are going to talk about your book. But first, you and I have a mutual friend that I figured was a mutual friend, John Wenstrom, who's been on this podcast and on Transformative Leadership Summit, which is also happening uh, this summer again. And I'm hoping if this interview goes well, that Allison will join me for that as as well. (laughs) Is this like a trial? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, it's a trial to see how it goes. 
So, so anyway, that's a good uh, interview with Johnny. You can just go to transformativeprinciple.org and search for him. But then if you want to join the Transformative Leadership Summit, that is happening. And you can go to transformativeleadershipsummit.com and check that out. But tonight or today, whenever you're listening to this, we are here to talk about Allison's book, which is releasing either tomorrow or today, depending on how quickly I edit this and get it out for you all to listen to. So Allison, your book is called The Path to Serendipity. And there's a subtitle there, but I'll let you say that because you probably know it better than I do. So it's Discover the Gifts Along Life's Journey. Excellent. And can you tell us a little bit about what you hope to accomplish with this book and why you wrote it? Yeah, it's basically like my heart poured out on the pages of a book, literally. And that's a little nerve wracking to send my heart out into the world. Yeah, that's a little nerve wracking. <laughs> I know. So The Path to Serendipity is just this, it's really a sweet little book. And it's filled with all this like stories, experiences, lessons, things that I need to reflect on in a daily basis in order to be like the best person I can be for everyone around me. And I thought, well, if, you know, these are the stories that inspire me and move me, the things that I've learned, I'm going to start writing. And I started writing this book and I thought, you know, if the only people who read this book are my sons, I have an 11 year old son and a 16 year old son. So I was thinking if their sons and their future families are the only audience for this book, then it's still worth it to continue writing. So I continued writing and editing and getting some feedback and really thinking through all of the things that I'd want to include in my manifesto, the book that just, you know, absolutely shares my heart. And then it was crazy that uh, Dave and Shelley Burgess wanted to publish it. It was such a thrilling honor huge surprise um, because I, I shared with it with Dave in a really non-traditional way looking for his feedback and and all of a sudden they're like wait we want to publish it like amazing and then over the course of you know the editing process and picking out the cover and all of the graphics inside the book and there's these fun elements it just turned into this beautiful beautiful project this beautiful book that I'm so proud of. Yeah, that is awesome. Now, when you think about, you know, somebody writing a story for their sons, there's two ways that that is going to work. That's either going to be this heartwarming, touching, amazing story that you just fall in love with, or it's going to be a bunch of inside baseball that nobody gets that (laughs) your sons will love and everybody else will hate. I'm guessing since Dave Burgess wanted to publish it, it's the former and not the latter. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure he'll be so. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I think, you know, I wrote this. So the, the path, to, the concept of the path to serendipity is really about embracing all of the experiences that we go through. So, you know, we go through incredible challenges and we go through tremendous joys and the whole entire spectrum in between. And the path to serendipity is about stumbling upon the fortunes of all of those experiences, like everything we go through has, there's beautiful lessons embedded in all of those experiences. And so it's, it's about gleaning those lessons from everything you go through in your life. So, you know, it's really easy when 
when you look back to see, you know, people who have listened to this podcast for a while know that I'm very much into the one thing and that has made a huge impact on my life recently. One of the things that they talk about that and a lot is the idea that when you look behind you, you can see how things were connected and formed this line. And when you look out in front of you, then in the future, it's really hard to see where you're going to go and where you're going to end up. And so part of the the focus of that book is to be able to plan what that's going to look like going forward. But as you look back, one of the things that I like about your approach is that it sounds like even the bad things, even the tough things are still things that you are grateful for. How did you get that mindset to where you can be happy with the tough things that you've gone through? Well, part of embedded throughout the book is William Glasser's choice theory. And that's a, it's a psychology, a theory of to explain behavior and our motivation for behavior. And I learned that early in my career as an educator and early in my marriage. And I think it probably saved me in both uh, my professional career and that relationship, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me more about that. So William Glasser's passed away, but I was able to spend some time with him years ago before he passed away. Um, but he wrote many books. And one of the the books that it kind of explains the psychology of choice theory is called Choice Theory. And oh, that's <laughs> a unique, unique name. <laughs> it actually was originally called Control Theory because it it's a major concept is that the only person whose behavior we can control is our own. And the only person who can control our behavior is ourselves. And Glasser talks about behavior being motivated by five basic needs. And they're not the basic needs you would think of, of like shelter and food and water. There's four psychological needs and then one physical need. So they're freedom, power, belonging, and fun. And then your physical need to survive. That everything we do in our lives is an effort to meet one or more of those five basic needs. And just for an example, and I talk about this in the book too, in my marriage, <laughs> I have a big need for belonging and a really big need for uh, power. My husband has a big need for freedom. I have, a, and I have a big need for survival. He has a low need for survival. So there's some conflicts in our relationship. And by understanding that his behavior is motivated by his desire to meet his needs. And he has different needs, different strengths of his needs than I do. My behavior, likewise, is motivated by my desire to meet my needs. I can better understand that, you know, when he wants to go off golfing or fishing or snowmobiling or doing all of these activities that help his need be or his life be rich and need satisfying, I need that closeness of the relationship. So um, he might see me as, you know, smothering him or really needy. Well, I have this high need for belonging. So he needs to make sure that I know I'm important to him. And I need to make sure that I know he needs those, those activities, those things that bring him joy in his life to, to live his best life. That information in a short period of time. <laughs> yeah. When, well, when you bring in, in those ideas of, of making sure that you have that kind of awareness of yourself and of each other, you know, that is a really important thing. And, you know, as, as my wife and I, you know, we've been married for 13 years 
Is that right? Let me, yeah, just had to make sure <laughs> 13 years. And, and that like, we've gotten better at knowing each other over that time. And, you know, and as I see my kids and see what their needs are, like I have my oldest daughter, hers is totally physical touch and that uh, I think that's a love language and not the choice thing, sure. but she, she needs that physical closeness with people. And that is like something that is so important. And my wife does not need that physical closeness. And so those two are always like, my daughter wants to like hold her hand and put her lay on her and, and all this stuff. And my wife just, you know, she doesn't want that. And once we realized that's what it was, that she needs that. Now we know like how to give that to her appropriately and comfortably so that, you know, it doesn't need to be something that's difficult. And in any kind of relationship, that kind of awareness is important. But how do you, how do you talk about that if you don't have the language to talk about it, Allison? Right. And the path to serendipity um, gives language to just to talk about it to reflect on yourself and your relationships, just like the love languages. So it's, it's similar thing, just different words, a little bit of different concept, but exactly what just happened in our conversation is exactly what I hope to happen with the path to serendipity. So it's full of stories and many of the stories are from my own life. And there's some stories I make up to illustrate a point, but it, it, it's a very comfortable read full of uh, moving stories that, you know, like people laugh and they cry when they read it. But really what I want everybody to do is reflect on their own lives. So just when I was sharing the story about, you know, my husband's needs and my needs and the conflicts and the understanding we have to have, you're thinking about your own family. And that's what I hope for everybody as they read, you know, throughout the path to serendipity that they're not thinking about me and my stories. They're relating what I share to their own lives. Yeah. And that is a really powerful approach to take. Now, is this book for school principals or is this book for people in general? Who are you trying to communicate with this to? I mean, there is, I'm an educator. I've been a, a principal for, oh my gosh, 15 years almost. And an educator for, for 20 years. So there is a lot of education that's embedded throughout but even the things that are about classrooms or about ed school leadership, they can relate to really any profession. And there are stories in here about other kinds of relationships, like my marriage, that anybody can relate to. So I hope that, yes, absolutely, this book is for educators, all educators, teachers, principals, whoever. But it's, I think it, it is a book that um, people who outside of the educational field will relate to. I hope. Yeah. Well, I think if anybody has relationships with anybody and you're talking a lot about relationships, you might be able to find people out there who have those relationships. <laughs> so that'll <laughs> maybe human interaction is important and we all need to benefit from that. So one of the things that I've found really powerful in dealing with with all kinds of people is the idea of having a framework to talk about different things. And so can you talk about what serendipity specifically means and why you tried to get to it through some sort of path? Yes. <laughs> uh, so the origin of the word serendipity is from a, a 16th century Persian tale. I think it's called the Three Princes of Serendip. 
And there's a whole lot to the story, but to sum it up in my Allison version, it's these three princes who go out to live as commoners in order to impress their father. And as they move through life as commoners without all the luxuries they experience as princes, they realize that um, embedded in the hardships and the difficulties and the surprising joys and moments of awe that the commoners experience, there's beautiful things embedded in those experiences and they make life worthwhile. That's where, you know, I definitely play with the definition of serendipity, but my version is that every experience we go through, there's something beautiful to stumble upon and we don't plan for it. So it is serendipitous so often. And there are so many serendipitous moments throughout every day that if we're looking for them, if we're looking for the beauty and the lessons and everything that we go through, even the things that kind of crush us to our core, if we can survive through that terrible, awful feeling and wake up in the morning and reflect on that experience, there are some beautiful lessons in them. Yeah, thank you. Can you share one of those stories that where you've gone through something challenging and the beautiful things that you saw in it? Yeah, so there is a, a chapter about losing my mom. And that was, I, I think, the, the most difficult thing that I've ever gone. I've gone through many challenges in, in my life. And I think those challenges are what led me to you know, maybe this place of being able to reflect on life in the way I can. But one of the major challenges was we lost my mom six years ago. She went through a, a battle with cancer. Um, and I speak more about it in the book. But I think just realizing the gift that love is and the gift that life is and, you know, that our ability to go through incredibly hard things and that our bodies are these like miraculous instruments that can heal in some cases and recover in, in ways that we never even thought possible. Like all of those things are gifts that were embedded in that experience of, you know, going through my mom's illness and, and ultimately her death. And I feel like I have a responsibility to be a better person because I lost my mom feel like she deserves that. And I think that's a gift that she left me. Yeah, I I do think that that is a gift and that that mindset and that approach, you know, it's so easy to get drugged down by by difficult things that happen in our lives and you know, I was just talking to a student today at school who was going through some challenging issues and you know, her mom's going through some challenging issues and I I asked her what she thought of her mom. And she was like, man, my mom is so amazing. She doesn't let people get her down and she pushes through hard things and just, you know, no judgment from my part, but the way she was talking about her mom two minutes before that, I did not think that's what was going to come out of her mouth, but she, she saw the value in her mom, even when she is not happy with how things are for her and her mom. And, you know, that, that ability to see the positive, to engage in a positive perspective in our culture right now, it is so easy 
to have a negative outlook no matter what, because everything is bad. Everything is bleak. And you got to work really hard to find people who are going to be choose to be positive and, and see the good in the world. It's so true. And then I'm thinking about Jethro, that, that child that you just talked about. And if we could then apply that to classmates or colleagues or grumpy people we meet in the grocery store, you know, understand that there's so much more to their story, that everybody has strengths, everybody has difficulties, everybody has areas where they need to improve, including ourselves. And if we could give each other that kind of grace, uh, yeah, this world would be a really, really beautiful, much brighter place. Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. So if you're listening to this right now, there's a link at transformativeprinciple.org slash episode 1050. Please go there, get the book. You know it's going to be great. And Allison, the last question I ask is, what is one thing a principal can do this week to be a transformative principal like you? Be right where you are. The most important thing happening is the person right in front of you. That's it. That's all. Well, I think that's pretty good. Allison, thank you so much. People can contact you on Twitter at Allison Apsey, A-L-L-Y-S-O-N-A-P-S-E-Y. And thank you so much for being part of Transformative Principle. Thank you so much for having me. It was an absolute pleasure. Do you want to simplify your school's technology, save teachers' time, improve students' performance on state assessments? You can do it all, but don't waste another minute. Head straight to IXL.com slash BE to learn how IXL's research-proven teaching and learning platform can help you achieve all these goals. That's IXL.com slash BE. There are lots of solutions out there for giving students what they need when they need it. But when do they actually do all of those things? You need flexible time. When added into your master schedule, flex time enables students to get extra help or intervention, meet with teachers, make up work, get physical exercise, and try new enrichment offerings. If you're thinking of giving it a try, check out MyFlex Learning, which unlocks the benefits of flexible time without all the headaches you get with it usually. Its intuitive design and SIS integration makes implementation and training a breeze. Make your flex time work for you. Visit myflexlearning.com slash BE to learn more and receive $500 off your first year. That's myflexlearning.com slash BE.